The Bible says all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. The Bible says that if you know to do good and you do it not, it is sin. We don't have to go down the list of all of the things that the world deems as big and bad, and this is a sin, and this is a white lie, this is a black lie, this is big, this is little. We don't have to go down that list. All you got to know is when the Lord tells you to do something and you don't do it, you separated yourself from the Father, which is what sin is. Sin is a separation from light, and God is light. There's no darkness, no variableness, not even a shadow of turning in Him and who He is. Glory to God. Let's, uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I've got a couple of scriptures that I need to kind of set some of this up so you'll know basically what helped me get through some of the stuff. So I want to lay a little bit of a foundation for it. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now that's multiple choice. How many were you in school? Did you like multiple choice? I liked it when the answer was on the paper. That's my favorite kind of test. You, you really got a 50-50 chance. But God loves us so much, He gave you the answer. Not only was it multiple choice, but He says, therefore, choose life. Not just choose life, but that both you and your seed, me and my kids, that we may live. So that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be able to, to look at the things of God and to choose life. Choose God for all He is, for all He paid for. Um, I always enjoy it so much on the offerings when, like Brother Craig's talking about, it's a choice. That's the title for today, is Choices. Choices. And... Uh, Let's go to John chapter 14 and 6 in the King James is perfect. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That sounds just pretty clear, isn't it? Well, he just told us to choose life, and then Jesus says, I am that life. So what Jesus is saying is, choose me. Choose me. It's the only way you get to the Father. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now choose me. Glory to God. Let's go to Jude, chapter, verse 20, chapter 1. And 20. It always puts the one up there. It's always funny. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, every time I read that... Um, 
Remember Brother Moore talking about one of his professors in, in Ramah that said, stay on God's side. Always stay on God's side. That's what I get out of that. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You see, if we keep ourselves in the love of God, we'll never leave God's side. We'll never have a moment out of God's side if we stay in love. Because God is love. And so, as long as we stay and live and operate in the love of God, we stay in the plan and purpose of God. And so then, we can always stay on God's side. Praise the Lord. Um, now, this one may not bless you as much. The other ones have been really good. Um, John 16 and 33. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Let's look at that in the NIV. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What do you got to do to have trouble? Be in this world. So many times, and I've been... <laughs> I've, I've knocked myself around a few times over it myself. So many times when something happens, we go, what did I do? How did I miss it? Where did I go wrong? What did I not do? Is there something? And we get frantic trying to fix it before the next time. But this scripture makes it very clear. If you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be there. Now, the awesome part is in the same verse. He says, but take heart. I have overcome all of it. You see, so we are going to have trouble, but we got to take heart because God has overcome it. Jesus bore it all, took it all, paid it all. He said, I am life. Choose me. I have overcome the world. All you got to do is follow me. Glory to God. <laughs> Go to John 14, 26. And let's run that in the New American Standard Bible. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things, bring to your remembrance all that I have said unto you. I'm quoting King James and trying to read New American Standard. <laughs> Go to 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. It's a choice. When we're in the middle of something, um, I was reading and looking through when David uh, was dealing with all this stuff and everybody was against him. And uh, he called unto the Lord and in the middle of his trouble, then he laid down and slept. 
and he woke up because the Lord sustained him. And he said he wasn't afraid of the tens of thousands that were against him. Now, I felt like I had a lot of people against me a few times. But I have never had tens of thousands of people against me. And here's David who knows the love of God. He's seen God deliver him from the lion, from the bear, from Goliath. Now he's out there and everybody's against him and trying to kill him. And he's this time probably in the cave hiding out with all of Saul's armies trying to kill him. But it wasn't just Saul that was after him. His own kids tried to kill him and take an army against him. Over and over and over he was being attacked. And yet he cried unto the Lord, laid down and took a nap. Because God was with him. And God sustained him. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That is awesome. Because he did not let his heart be troubled. He chose. You know what? (laughs) As Brother Morse talked about and different ones have talked about. You know what, God? You're not going to sleep. So there's no point in both of us being up. (laughs) So I'm going to go to sleep. Isn't that amazing? If you have trouble dealing with something, that thought will free you up. He's already going to be awake. He's going to see stuff way before you'll ever see it. He knows the end from the beginning. And he said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you like Dan was talking at the beginning of the service. The Bible says he'll stick closer than a brother. Well, he's already awake. So just relax. Go to sleep. The Bible says there'll be enough to deal with tomorrow. Don't worry about today. No reason to think about that other stuff. Just go to sleep. When you wake up in the morning, deal with whatever's there. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So it is a choice. Now, I talked to you a little bit about it, but let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I just want you to know where this is so you can look at it because I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit. This is when Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I want the next verse, I believe, is about the only one. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, I like this part, so that's the only reason we're bringing it up. And afterward, he was hungry. Not during 40 days and 40 nights. Because, see, he was communing with God. He was talking with the Father. The Spirit led him out there. Now that is a God-sanctioned fast. After the 40 days, after the 40 nights, then he noticed he was hungry. Now, that's when the tempter came. When his flesh kicked in, the tempter showed up. He said, oh, if you're the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. Well, basically what he's saying is, I have seen the anointing on men of God for years and years and years. I saw it on Elijah. I saw it on Elisha. I saw it on David. I saw it on Saul. I saw it on Samuel. I saw it on Eli. I've seen all of this anointing for all these thousands of years. And they did mighty works, but none of them ever turned bread into stone, or stone into bread. So, do a miracle... 
so I know you're the Son of God. Well, apparently, Jesus was tempted because the Bible says he was tempted. What did he do wrong? Did he do something out of the will of God? So the temptation came without being out of the will of God. Because Jesus only did those things that pleased the Father. He only said those things that pleased the Father. He only walked out those things that pleased God. And he said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So he didn't do anything wrong. And yet, the Son of God was tempted of the devil. So if Jesus, the Son of God, can spend 40 days and nights in the wilderness praying and communing and getting close to the Father and knowing the Father's voice and knowing all the things that are going on with the Father and come out of that close fellowship and still actually be tempted, that tells us we really need to stay in the Word of God. And that you don't have to do something wrong for temptation to come. You don't have to be in sin. You don't have to do all of these things. The world, every time something bad happens, the world goes, oh, there was sin there. That's why that happened. No, it's the world. The Bible says there will be trouble in this world. Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven, born of a virgin, walked on this earth. Trouble found him. And he didn't do anything wrong to get there. But yet, trouble showed up. Now, the awesome part about Jesus is he goes, he goes, no. <laughs> and uh, he immediately quotes a scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. And then he gives us revelation of what we should live on. But on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So not only does he tell Satan off, but he gives us what he's lived on for the last 40 days and nights. I've been living on and sustained by the word, the, the rhema word from the Father. And I haven't even noticed I was hungry for 40 days and 40 nights because man shall not live by bread alone, but only by the word of the Father. And so he was sustained until the time that that fast was over. And then he was tempted of Satan. Well, Satan comes back, realizes, oh, he's quoting scriptures. We should quote scriptures. So Satan comes back and he takes him up onto the temple and he says, jump. For it is written, God's going to give angels charge over you. They'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You see, so many people. Brother Moore was talking about another pastor friend that was up on the roof and they were looking over the edge and he heard a voice, jump. Same voice Jesus heard. Same temptation Jesus had. Now, does that mean Jesus was suicidal? No. He was in the world. Satan's the God of this world. And so, here Jesus is, takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and he goes, jump. 
If you're the son of God, it won't hurt you. The angels will catch you. And Jesus is like, oh, you know, it's also written. We should not tempt the Lord our God. And so then Satan takes him up on a high hill and he looks over all of the earth and he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, you can skip the cross. You can skip all of the prophecy of being the stone the builder rejected. You can skip all of the scourging post and all of that and you can be the ruler of all the earth right now. Bow down and worship me. Well, if you knew your job was to become the king of kings, the Lord of lords, to rule and reign over all of the earth, apparently it was a temptation because Jesus was tempted. But you see, Jesus knew enough of the word to step back and go, oh, but it is also written, you should worship the Lord your God and none other shall you serve. And he tells him to get behind me. And immediately when he tells him to go away, he goes away. Goes right along with scripture, doesn't it? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Praise the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. And I think we're almost done with all the setup. <laughs> I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the reason I want you to go there is the devil always fights you with your flesh. Did you notice with Jesus, the Son of God, when he was in the Spirit communing with God for 40 days, he was in the bushes. I don't want to be any part of that. He, he's glowing with the presence of God or whatever. I don't know that. But he's in the presence of God, talking with God, and Satan didn't show up for 40 days and nights. So that tells you he did not want a part of that. And then the moment he comes out and his flesh jumps out and says, Hey, my stomach's growling, I'm hungry. The enemy shows up. He wants us to war after the flesh. He wants us to stay in, oh, I feel, I feel this, I feel that, oh, I'm hurting, oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. He wants you to stay there because He is the God of this world, the God of the flesh, carnal world. And so when you fight against the God of this world, you will lose if you fight in the flesh. But the moment the newest child of God steps up with his pampers on and says, Shut up, devil! He has to scurry and run away. Because just a hint 
of the light of God, darkness has to flee. The power of God is is so phenomenal that if we can just learn to speak just a little bit of the Word of God, the truth of the Word, man, the devil's on his knees. He's running out of the house. He can't handle light and truth. All right, I think I stalled about all I can stall. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I guess I started at the church first, but um, years ago when the church started in Branson, shortly after that sometime, I don't know the year. Dan probably knows a closer idea when I started than I do, but um, I had dealt with Dave with Stone Ridge carpets, and uh, we used them for our flooring, and so I knew who Dave was, and I show up, and I'd sat in the back a couple of times, and uh, so then I finally, I'm like, man, I need to know more about this, so I made my way down, and I sat um, just inside the usher in the second row. Well, in the soul building, Dave sat here. And so I come down, and I did not know Dave was there. And Dave's the same all the time. I love that. doesn't matter where you see him, what's going on. He's always the same, always consistent. He goes, hey, what are you doing here? (laughs) Hadn't changed, has he? (laughs) And so we talk a little bit, and, and I'm actually at the time traveling and ministering on a a traveling ministry, and uh, we're doing a number of services a year. So it's, it, at first it was kind of tough and sporadic for me to get to the services. But what happened was the first time I sat down and I, I heard Brother Moore, I realized, oh, Lord, I don't know anything. How in the world are you using us to minister to people when... Every analogy of don't do this, <laughs> oh, that was me. <laughs> you should never pray this way. Oh, note to self, don't pray that way next weekend. <laughs> All of them were just that way. <laughs> Every time he would say, don't do this, Rob's picture went up. <laughs> He's like, don't do this. I'm like, okay, I won't anymore. And so for the first few months, I'm just coming sporadically, and I'm telling Carrie, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. And I'm telling her all this stuff I'm taking notes on, and I'm telling her. And then for a period of time, I'm running up to her parents' house on Wednesday night and helping and teaching and doing their Bible study and going, glory to God. And I'm telling them all this stuff, which, you know, sometimes when you're excited and overly zealous... (laughs) you can kind of lay a whole bunch of stuff out that maybe they're not quite ready for. And so I was pretty inexperienced at it, and they're all glazed over, (laughs) sitting back in their seat, and I'm still just going, oh, but God did this, and God did that, and he said this, and the Bible says this. And they're going, "Uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. And so... I, uh, shortly after that, I started ushering there at the church. And if you've ever been to the soul building, 
from the platform all the way back. And in the far left corner, a lot of the ushers called it the amen corner. Because it would be about like sitting in this corner over here tonight. There was nobody within 70 seats of you. Because it was the far back corner. The altar care was on that side. The choir sat on that side. Everybody else sat down here. And I grew up where it wasn't as welcomed to have your hands in the air and, and to be more vocal. And that, that did happen in our church. Um, my grandpa was the pastor. My dad was a pastor. And, uh, you know, so it's one of those areas for me. You look back and I had to overcome some of the stuff and they're doing all they know. We're all learning and doing all we know. And so I'm in that back corner and I'm standing there one night and I'm praying, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What, what, what is my next step? Do, cause I started coming to this church and I liked it and I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the teaching and I enjoyed the word and I enjoyed dissecting the Bible. And I'm on the road ministering, but man, my heart is over here. And so I've got part of my family saying, you need to stay on the road. You're ministering to people. You're changing lives in all these little churches and all of this place. And so I'm standing back there one night and I am wrestling. And I'm like, Lord, and I'm not at peace. I'm not settled. And I hear, help the Moors. And I'm standing back there and I'm like, what? They don't know who I am. They don't know me. They got, they got no idea I'm even back in this corner. And I keep getting that. Help the Moors. And so I'm standing back there and I got my hands in the air and I'm looking around. Every time somebody walks by, I put my hands down, watch them walk by like, okay. They leave and you're in the dark in the corner. You can put your hands back up. And so the Lord's telling me, help the Moors, just those words, nothing else. And I'm like, well, Lord, you're going to have to explain that to me. Well, almost immediately, Brother Moore, he goes on a rabbit trail and he goes, you know, whenever I was helping Brother Hagen, the Lord had told me to help Brother Hagen. And that was the word he gave me was to help Brother Hagen. So when he needed somebody to sign up for stuff, that was helping Brother Hagen. I stepped in. When he needed this, that was helping Brother Hagen. Well, then he talked about once before they started the Branson Church that they had separated themselves from Brother Hagen for a period of time. And then the Lord told him, I didn't tell you to separate. And so Brother Moore was talking about that night that he had to cancel one of his services and he was struggling with it a little bit. And I believe that's correct. And uh, that he had to cancel a service. And the Lord told him that it's more valuable to the kingdom of God for you to stand back here and hold Brother Hagin's coat than it is for you to go and minister to the people you're ministering to. And I believe that's correct. They'll hopefully let me know so I don't ever tell it different. But... Um, he basically said something along that line that for him to go and minister to the group he was ministering with, it was more valuable to the kingdom for 
him to stand back and help Brother Hagin, that Brother Hagin could freely minister to all of the people that he's ministering to. And I stopped. I put my hands down. I'm standing back there. And I'm like, okay, Lord. So from that time, we started coming off the road. We started the next year like 60 services, the next year 30. And we started just kind of weaning ourselves off of the road. And I have learned so much week after week, month after month, being in these services. And uh, But the, the greatest thing that helped me was just that. In every one of our life decisions, make sure you have a word from the Lord. Because over the past 12, 14, 15 years, I've had some opportunities to be like Brother Moore said, send in my transfer orders. Had my little panties in a wad. I'm upset. And I send them in. Funny thing, they came back just like Brother Moore's. Denied. And so I had to get over it. Now, I had options every time. I had a choice every time they said something I didn't like. I had a choice. I could be mad. I could be offended. I could be upset. And I could walk away from the word of the Lord he gave me. And be out on my own in the flesh with the God of this world breathing down my my whole life. Or I could go, you know what? (laughs) What was it Brother Moore said? I can quit tomorrow. You know what? I could quit tomorrow. Not today. One of our brothers and sisters up in Branson, they wrote in a testimony not long ago that, They had went through some struggles, but they both didn't want to quit at the same time. Well, there's been times that my flesh did not want to do it. I do a lot of the same thing I was doing when I was running a company. And so your flesh goes, well, you can do that. Why do you need to do it that way? See, all of us got flesh. All of us have stuff we got to deal with, but do I really want to walk away from the word of the Lord that I would have life and my kids would have life? Do I want to step out of the plan of God for my life? That word from the Lord has sustained me this whole time. Through all of the good days and bad days, it's sustained me. And God, uh, through another friend of mine, gave me that scripture in 1 Timothy one twelve that says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, that enablement is what I stand on all the time. He enabled me. Um, do you remember Bezalel and Aholiab? God anointed them to work in all kinds of metals, all kinds of crafts to build the temple. Supernatural anointing. He enabled them. Well, the Lord told me to help the Moors. And when I saw Bezalel and Aholiab, I'm like, praise the Lord 
the same God that anointed them to do all kinds of stuff, not just a little bit, not a jack of all trades and a master of none, but a master at every single trade that the Moors need help on. And so I stood on that. And, and I, I still, to this day, stand on that. Well, fast forward just a little bit. Um, well, don't fast forward. Back up for a minute. Because um, I need to get to one other part. Uh, before I started attending Faith Life Church, um, I had been married and was in a divorce and was dealing with all of the junk of two kids trying to figure out what home they're in, trying to figure out all of the junk involved in it. And I struggled. One of my hardest, hardest struggles was seeing your kids raised up split. They don't know which way to believe. They don't know which way to go. Now, when they were young, it was easy. The Lord had built me up. I was traveling, I was ministering, I was in the Word. The Lord had built me up. And when they had a symptom or a sickness or something going on, I could speak over it. I'd go get my scriptures and I'd go through and I'd build myself up. And then all I had to do was get with them for a minute. And I could lay hands on them, I could pray for them, I could get to them, and God would take care of it. But as time came, they got older. And they got to make their own decisions. And then I got to stand on the outskirts because they're, they're old enough to know what to do. They're old enough to make their own decisions. And so that was one of the hardest struggles for me was to watch my kids grow up with me thinking and teaching one thing and their mom thinking and teaching something different. And it's a struggle. They have to learn on their own. Dave was talking about that with Ramsey, how no matter how much Dave wanted to take care of every possible thing for Ramsey, there came a time he couldn't be there with her. There came a time he had to trust the Lord and let her make her own decision and learn how, who God was for her. So that was probably one of the biggest struggles I had was being able to watch my kids grow up and have to learn who God is to Jessica, who God is to Ryan, and soon who God is to Caleb. And so that was one of my biggest struggles, and I, I still deal with some of the stuff and, and trying to get through it. But the one thing, if you're, if you're here, if you're watching, if you're dealing with stuff, the one thing I want you to understand is if I could go back to all of that, I did a bunch of dumb stuff. I know there was things I could have done that probably would have helped the situation, maybe kept the marriage there. I didn't know it. I, was, I didn't know what I know now. But the one thing that if you're there and you've already been through it that I want you to know is they're always going to be their mom. 
they're always going to be their dad. And if you get nothing else, I wish I would never say anything that would hurt the character of their parent. Because then they have to make decisions. They have to know what to believe and what not to believe. And for me, that was the most hurtful thing I saw through all of it. Because we weren't great at it. I've not seen one smooth yet. Um, and, but there was junk from both sides. He said, she said, all of this junk. And the most hurtful thing I saw in my kids was when something was said about me that they didn't want to believe or about her that they didn't want to believe. And so if you're dealing with it, just be quiet. If you've already been through it, man up. Say, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And start again. And don't go back there. My ex-wife and I have a better relation than we have had maybe our whole life. As far as we talk and communicate and we tell each other when the kids are doing cool stuff that we saw from one or the other. And so there's a healing and a communication involved in it. And it's because you just have to back up and go, I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. You see, that goes back. And the reason I had to back up, that's that scripture. Stay on love's side. It is a choice. If your kids are doing something dumb, stay on love's side. It's a choice. I've messed up in it. I have apologized to both of my older kids. um, Because I have. I've messed up in it. And I didn't do it right. But I can't go back and fix it. But I can tell you from being here on this side of it, don't do it the way I did it. Stay on love. It's a choice. I had it and I blew it. And I have to own it and go, it was me. I messed up. And I can't go back and get those days and times back. But I can help people and go, don't do that. It's no fun on the other side. It's no fun to see them hurt. Now, let's fast forward. Thank you, Lord. I didn't ball all the way through that. So fast forward. When Carrie and I got married, it was kind of starting all over. The Lord was uh, (laughs) helping us. And, you know, you hear all of this junk in the world. If you've been divorced, God can never use you again. What a lie of the devil. That's like saying if you've ever sinned before... You can't be used of the Lord. Well, the trouble with that is the first scripture I was talking about. All have sinned. So who's he going to use? What people is he going to use now if all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God? I'm so thankful. Brother and Sister Moore know 
more than they probably ever wanted to know about all of the junk. But they love us anyway. And so the Lord blessed us and fast forward a little bit. Our business went really good. The Lord blessed us. We were able to build a house. And it carried through the blueprints and it was our dream house. And uh, man, everything was going phenomenal. And then... Uh, well, actually, before that, Carrie got pregnant, had Caleb, and there was all kinds of steps of faith in that. I taught on it years ago. If you want to know about that one, pull that up. Um, I don't know what it is, but it has baby steps in the title. And uh, But pull that up and look at that. But... Um, then we get into this house and everything's going pretty good. Carrie gets pregnant again. And it was about the time Dan and I came down here and we started working on this building. And so I'm away from home for weeks at a time. I come back in for the weekend. We come back down for weeks again. And so she's pregnant and dealing with all of this stuff by herself in Branson, and we're excited. Then she goes to the doctor, and they said something's wrong. The baby's not developing. It's going to miscarry. And so at first, Carrie, she starts calling people, and I'm like, I'm down here. So she's alone with that news. She's amazing. By the time we're done tonight, she is amazing what she has been through and walked out. And so the doctor tells her that. She's calling people. And I'm like, honey, please don't. Don't. The Bible says. And I start telling her scriptures about how we're the blessed of the Lord. They never cast their young before their time. There's no barren. They don't lose any. And so we're talking scriptures, and she's like, yeah, but the Bible says one will put a 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. Well, it's a scripture too. But when you open that door, you get everybody's experience, everybody's opinion, and everybody's speculation, and it's hard to get past it. And so we're struggling with it a little bit. Carrie's like, oh, I'm in faith, I'm in faith. Miss Phyllis calls us into her office before a service one night, talks to us, and, you know, we're using faith formulas. Oh, yeah, we're believing God. We're standing on this scripture. We're doing this scripture. We're doing this scripture. But it's a formula. And so she said all the right things. Shortly after that, Miss Phyllis texts her. She goes, I can tell you're not in faith but you need to get there. Well, we talked about it earlier today. Right after that, she's saying all the right stuff, and then she's going to a computer and typing up what the possibilities are, what's available, what's going on. She's wavering. And then I happened to be home for a few days, and she miscarried. It was around Valentine's Day. Actually, I think it was Valentine's Day. And so she miscarried, and I go in there, and I'm hugging her, and she's crying, and, and we're trying to get through this thing. And then Caleb comes in. 
Well, he's about four years old. And I am so thankful he has never known anything other than word of faith taught through this church. Other than what they teach in the kids' classrooms. And at four years old, I'm hugging Carrie. She's bawling profusely. And he looks at us. He walks over and he lays his hand on his mom. Praise in tongues, demanding and loud for a period of time. Carrie and I are looking at each other. And then he goes, and he just walks back out of the room. Healing started right then. You see the anointing of the Lord through the mouth of a child. Now, some of that started then. Shortly around that time, I felt like I needed to be available to help the ministry when they went down here to start this church. And our company got to where I was dreaming for it to be. We were framing for a gentleman. I always wanted to build million-dollar custom homes. And we got favor with a gentleman who was building million-dollar French country custom homes. And so we went in and we started framing them. And he liked us. And he wanted us to do more of it and more of it and more of it. So we started doing more and more of his work. And then... The Lord dealt with me, and he's like, you need to kind of be ready and available for when they start this next building. And so most of our jobs are bid weeks, months, sometimes even years out before the work starts. So once you quit accepting work, you run out of it later. And so I'm looking out ahead of where I'm at, and I'm thinking... If they started in the next year or so, I need to quit bidding stuff. And so this man at that time, he decides he wants out and he wants to move to Thailand and just retire. It's inexpensive to live there and he's very rich. And so he's just going to move over there and he calls me and I go meet him. He was always trying to get me to like sushi. Still don't. One of the things I really, really agree with Dave on. And, uh, but he calls and I go and talk to him and he goes, he goes, I'm, I've got all of these customers for years that we've built for and all of this clientele and I want out. Can I send them to you? That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I'm like, inside that scripture, God brings to our remembrance everything he's told you. It was shouting at me because most of these houses are a year or so to build and hand them a set of keys. They don't come through as quick. And I'm thinking, I can't do that. I need to be available. So I turn them down. It was something I'd always dreamed of. From the time I started framing in 87, 88, I always wanted to build. 
these million-dollar custom homes. We'd get to frame one once in a while, and I thought it was so awesome. And then here it is handed to you. All you got to do is say yes. He said, I'll stay. I'll help you. Get you going. Get you through the first couple. The favor of God, phenomenal, to get us to that point. And I'm like, no, I believe I'm supposed to help at the church. And he knew the church. He does some work in Branson. And uh, so we turned him down. Well, then we didn't come down here for about a year and a half. And so about a year into it, the jobs that I had were ending. And we were getting paid on them. And I had just built this house that was Carrie and I's dream floor plan. We still really like the floor plan. I got no work. And I'm hung out in the middle. And so I call, because we're going to be behind on our first payment. I call this loan company. And I said, listen, this is what's going on. I'm going to be behind, be behind this month. And remember when Brother Moore said the other day, if you knew you were going to be deceived, you wouldn't be? So I talked to this guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, we can help you. We can defer three months. And so he gave me this song and dance, and I believed he was trying to help. And so we were a month behind, and all the paperwork in to get all of this stuff done. And he calls, and... The Lord brought money in, more than enough to get us caught up. And he's like, no, 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 do this. It'll be better. We can, we're, we're already doing the three months. I thought he was trying to help me. I was deceived. I was the one that was wrong. No different than Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam was the one deceived. Adam was the one that took fault. And so I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And... So we started to do this other deal, and once we did it, this man suddenly disappeared in the company. No record I'd ever talked to him. No record of any of it. And so then they quit taking phone calls and started sending foreclosure notices. And so the house that we liked and we were building, because I missed God, I did Yes, I was supposed to come down here. Yes, I was supposed to be available to build down here. But remember Brother Moore talking about when Brother Hagen in healing school said, Oh, we're going to start doing this, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that. And then he walks in ten years later. And he goes, You know that thing we were talking about? It's time to do it. That was me. The Lord had told me to prepare me, not to get me to shut down, not to get me to quit. And because I fell for it, like I said, don't you just like being able to tell the whole world how you messed up? But because I fell for it, I was down here working here. Dan and I were working 80, 100 hours a week. We were gone three, four, five, whatever weeks at a time. We'd go back and spend get there Friday, be there Saturday, fly back Sunday, over and over and over. So we were there a day and a half, two days, most of it in the dark. <laughs> and uh, my wife miscarried. 
and went through all of that with me there for a couple of days of the event and then on her own. And then I lost her dream home because I was deceived. And I'm down here working on this building and my wife's up there and we had great friends and family. I'm so thankful. Most of them are in the Branson Church. Thank you. Um, they came over and spent hours packing our house. I messed up. I was deceived. We cleaned. They cleaned that house really well. Put it market-like because it wasn't the next person's fault. It was mine. I had messed up. I had believed somebody bought it. I had to own it. I was mad. I had chances. I had choices to just be mad at God. (laughs) Told my wife, I said, "I, I know where this man lives. It's dangerous to have the Internet. The man fell off the face of the earth, but on an Internet Google search, I know where his doorstep is. The company said they couldn't find him. I had to get over that. I had to forgive them for being in business and trying to get a bottom line. Our house was valued at three or 400000 over what we had in it. So it was a great one to skim and to get. And so for Carrie, I lost that. And I was gone when she miscarried. And so for a period of time, she was mad at me, rightly so. And she was mad at God. And there was a period of time that it was literally hell on earth around us because she did not trust me anymore. She had lost a baby. She had lost a house. She had to move all of our furniture out of this 7,300 square foot house that we had dreamed for into a rental house she found at about 1,500 square feet. So we sold everything, sewed everything. Our family and friends up there, they helped us. They were there for her. I was down here. And so I stood on that scripture all the time. Anybody who gives up houses and lands and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers will have more now. And then I got a word from the Lord, from the man of God, that for your shame, you shall receive double. And then another word from the man of God, that don't you know God is able to do far greater than this? And so I got these words from the Lord. I had a word from the Lord that I need to help the Moors. I had a word from the Lord that even though I messed up and I lost a house, I had a word from the Lord that it's only a matter of time. God is well able to do better than that. God is well able and He has a word from Him to me that you shall own twice or the double, or some versions say you will own that house again. 
So I'm down here, I'm working, Dan and I are trying to build each other up and stay awake. And, uh, and she's up there dealing with all of this stuff, packing up her dream house, carrying all of the stuff out, sewing it to people, putting it in boxes in garage sales, and giving it away at garage sales. We had, our company was doing really good when we shut it down, and we had four trailers full of tools. Some of them were phenomenal tools. I'm down here, and I'm like, we have to move out of this house by this day. So I told them, I said, just put them out and sell them. Well, they're selling. They don't know what they are. I had to get over it. I've probably told Dan 4,000 times how much different tools were. But I had to just get past it because it was my fault. But they're selling $600 tools for 25 bucks at the garage sale. And people are happy. So Dan's helping me, and he goes, Brother, just sew it. Sew it, all the rest of it. And so I'm so thankful because I was distraught. I was having a moment. Some of these tools were phenomenal. We believed God to get them, and now they're walking off at $25. I had a golf club worth $400 I won at a tournament. I told him, I said, keep it in the bag, sell the whole thing for 100 bucks." Guy comes up, he goes, I'll take that club for $25. they are like, oh, well, there's 12 or so other clubs. That's a great deal. So they <laughs> sold that club for that $25. That bag of golf clubs we had to give away. It's the only thing in there really worth a lot of money. And so I was struggling with it from down here. But she was in Branson. She was seeing it 24 hours a day. And so she packed the house up with some friends and family. They moved into a rental house. I flew up on the weekend, maybe two weeks after they had moved in. They had everything put up. I hadn't seen it when I landed. I had to get the address so I could figure out how to get there. And I pull up into this house, and she's so happy to see me. But it's not the same. We had lost that dream home. We had lost that baby. And there was a choice to blame. And we talked about it this morning. Some more about the Lord dealing with me to lay it all out. And uh, so then we get down here a year later. And it's not been going good. We're, we're functioning. We're believing God to be in faith. We're believing all of you guys didn't know it. Because if you walk in faith, nobody should know all your stuff. And so we're believing that most everybody didn't know all the stuff we were going through. And so we get down here, and shortly after we get moved down here, Miss Moore talks to Carrie and I, and she tells Carrie, you need to get this. Start praying in the Spirit. Every morning, spend time praying in the Spirit. The next morning, she gets up, gets away, starts praying in the Spirit. Just a few days, I don't know how long, and the Lord tells her a word. You see, all of this time, she's my wife, and God's been giving me words, and we've been operating on those words. Help, bro, help the Moors. And then 
we're going to receive double for our shame. Because it's embarrassing. There's no way you can go around it. We were doing great. We had money. We had more money than we've ever had. We were able to sow to people, give to people, pay for people's vacation, take people on vacation, do things we'd only dreamed of for years. And then I missed it. All of that's gone. We're struggling. (laughs) We're eating ramen noodles and PB&J. Not because that's our favorite food. But because we're trying to make it. And we don't have it. And so there's this rift between the two of us until that day. I'm so thankful for being in this ministry and submitting under a head and a leader. And submitting under a head and a leader that hears from the Lord takes the initiative to call us in. And so... Praise the Lord. So all of that happens. And then she prays in the Spirit for just a few days after she submitted under Miss Moore. And the Lord tells her, learn of me. Now most all of you know what verse that is. God didn't tell her the whole verse. He didn't tell her chapter and verse. He just told her, learn of me. Can you put Matthew eleven twenty eight up on the screen? <clears throat> Come unto me, all you, <laughs> praise the Lord, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so God gave her those three words, learn of me. And she said, she looked it up and started looking at it. And she said, it hit her. It was a rhema word from God. The same kind of rhema word I had from the beginning that helped me deal with it, helped me walk it out, helped me not be so distraught and get over it and keep ministering and keep moving forward, keep building a church and doing the things I needed to do. She didn't have that word. And so the Lord gave it to her. Learn of me. And so she said, she just grabbed that, pulled it off, put it on to Jesus, and said immediately, it was gone. And immediately for us, our house was good. So in a year's time, We went from having more money than we'd ever had, than our families had ever had, able to do stuff for our families and enjoy things that my family never even dreamed of knowing and doing. To losing a house, to losing a child, to being separated for 18 months 
while this church was under construction, seeing each other every three to five weeks for a day or two. In me, I'm doing pretty good. There's days. There's always days. We all have flesh. We live in the world. We have troubles in it. But I made a choice because I had a word from the Lord. Well, the reason we're going through all of that is I believe there are people that are hurting in this church, in Branson, that are dealing with some of the same stuff, maybe not exactly, but some of the same things that Carrie and I went through. Maybe the husband has a word. Maybe the wife has a word. Maybe that part's going okay, but maybe the spouse doesn't. If you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, if you have cares of this life weighting you down, take that verse. Learn of Jesus. It's a choice. Don't let your heart be troubled anymore. Don't let yourself be afraid anymore. I admit, I did not want to stand in front of you guys and air everything that happened out. Because I was believing God the whole time we're going through it that nobody knew about it. When you walk in faith, nobody knows. I crashed a motorcycle and had two vertebrae disappear in my back and I'm hurting so bad I crashed it about 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm ushering in the Branson church that evening at my post and people are shaking hands and patting me on the back. Because a healed man does not stay home. A healed man goes and stands his post. And if I'm going to walk in the things of God, I had to go and stand my post. I could have been in traction. The nurse that was out there, God set me up. He put an ambulance. He put a first responder. He put a state patrol with me right at that. I've talked about it before. But a healed man doesn't lay at home in bed. A healed man goes and does stuff. And so... I'm trying to walk in that with Dan and I down here. And bless his heart, he got to hear a lot of it. But he was so great because he's helping me. Oh, God's got you. And he's being my faith buddy. He's helping me. He's building me up. And so I'm trying to get through this because when you fast, you're supposed to... Put oil and not let anybody know you're doing it. So when you're going through something else, why do we want to air it out? So I didn't want to. But I know that the way the enemy was telling me not to, that there's people that need help. So would you all stand with me?